Hello, hustlers. My name is Apurva, and I am the host of When She Hustles. Today, I have with us Mia Kinder. Mia is a consultant at Deloitte. She is also a graduate of my very favorite Kelly School of Business. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Mia. Oh, yeah. I'm super happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so before we get started, Mia, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself so we have your background information? Yeah, totally. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about where I'm from, what I did at IU, and where I'm at now. So I am originally from Southeast Missouri, mm -hmm. a small town called Cape Girardeau. Um, <laughs> I came to IU. Yeah, I'm sure you haven't heard of it. Um, it's like two hours <laughs> south of St. Louis. Um, and nobody from my high school came to IU. Not a lot of kids went out of state. Mm -hmm. um, and so coming to IU, I didn't know anybody. My sister had gone there six or seven years prior. Um, but I came to IU and just fell in love with the campus, fell in love with the idea of a business school that is outstanding, but at the same time approachable and not competitive and not cutthroat um, kind of environment where students will help each other out. So it just felt kind of, I guess, like home to me coming from the Midwest. So um, I went to IU, um, came into Kelly, had no clue what I wanted to study. I think I changed majors at least four times um, between co-majors and minors and everything. Um, so definitely hopped around, but I landed on finance and French. Um, I was able to study abroad twice, actually, during my career at IU, which maybe we can talk about later. Um, but yeah, so I, I was also in Greek life at IU. I was in CAIO, the sorority. I was really involved with the Kelly Institute for Social Impact, too. Um, that was really, yeah, that was, um, I think, my favorite. Um, one of my absolute favorite takeaways from my entire college experience. Um, some incredible people and really cool programming. And um, yeah, anyway, so yeah. a lot of Kesey stuff, ABP specifically, which is how I know you. Yeah. Um, and then coming out of school, I guess, professional experience wise, I had an internship with a yogurt company. I did some marketing um, one summer. And then the next summer I did something yeah, I love yogurt. Shout out Nusa. Um, I did. <laughs> I did. Um, and then at the next summer, I kind of flipped it on my head and was like, I continue to kind of get value out of doing experiences that are starkly different from the last experience that I did. So I went into healthcare financial performance consulting. Um, and I interned at Crow, which was a phenomenal experience. Um, completely different, obviously, than like marketing for the yogurt company. Um, and so going into recruiting my senior year, I was kind of weighing my options and ultimately decided that I wanted to continue to get broad exposure um, and kind of explore across different industries if possible. And so consulting made a lot of sense to continue down that path. And um, I knew a lot of friends and trusted peers at Deloitte. Um, so the networking kind of started organically, I guess. Yeah. And from there, I've just started. It's almost been a year now that I've been at, at Deloitte. So um, 
yeah, that's about me, I guess. But yeah. and now I live in Chicago. So that's, awesome. that's the update. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's great. As always, love Kesey, not just because I met you. Mm-hmm. So many incredible people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know you touched about this a little bit, but can you go a little into why you chose consulting and sort of how um, you got interested in it? Yeah, I would say more or less I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and consulting, <laughs> as you know, it's like that's such a cop-out answer, but um, it really does seem attractive when you're in school and you have no clue what you want to do. For sure. You know, I don't want to do banking, but I'm you know, studying finance, so kind of where does that leave me? Um, and so consulting has like that appeal of just kind of, I guess no feeling in terms of where you could go and where you could end up. So it almost in a way feels like you're not making this a decision yet. Yep. Um, and so that was kind of my logic. And so, yeah, I, I, I think more or less so I didn't know what I want to do. And I will say, it's not like you have to decide what you're going to do for the next 40 years of your professional life when you're a senior at IU at all but sometimes it feels like that and so I think consulting for me was a um, really promising kind of open door and entryway into what even is professional life and where will I land I have no idea so Mm -hmm. um, wanted to start by just kind of going deep and getting um, as much experience and exposure as possible to different different things so fortunately was afforded that opportunity yeah I mean I've heard that a lot as well you know people really talk about how it's such a great job to have as your first job because like you said you just Mm -hmm. get so much exposure in all of these um, different fields and I don't know I think that it's definitely one of those jobs that is a good choice for a lot of people so Mm-hmm. I guess now that you've sort of had that experience, you know, working as a consultant, um, what's something you wish somebody told you, you know, before you started working? Is there anything that really surprised you about working as a consultant? Um, something that really surprised me. I would say one, one thing that's been really interesting to see um, so I have, I'm in legacy kind of Deloitte is shifting from competency areas, just the way the firm is organized. So it used to be tech, human capital and strategy and operations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to some extent we're still kind of coming to campus that way, um, for recruiting purposes, but in terms of how we go to market, we're shifting to offering portfolios. Um, so anyway, I was like a few strategy and operations. And um, so kind of coming into that, my anticipation was I would see a lot of strategy projects kind of building out three to five year plans for um, different companies and kind of the cool, sleek consulting projects that you hear about. And I have definitely had a lot of exposure to that through, um, you know, so many different avenues. But one thing I have been really surprised by is the prominence and kind of increasing demand uh, for these huge tech implementations. So there are a myriad of different softwares, 
that are a specialty to whether it be finance operations or um, supply chain, you know, healthcare, revenue cycle, mm-hmm. you name it. There is a super niche software that can solve a lot of client problems um, if it's implemented correctly. And so what a lot of companies are coming to consultants for now is advice on how to implement those um, and how to kind of design the system, test the system and um, deal with change management for their organization to yeah. kind of like optimize this huge investment of this super cool new um, technology system that will kind of transform the way they work. So, so that kind of, I guess, I am technically in core business operations. That's my OP, my offering portfolio. And so we do look a lot, a lot of CBO is kind of has to do with operations transformations and um, uh, organizational kind of transformations through system implementation. So um, you'll find that across all of the OPs, but um, that's something I've been really surprised by. Um, they don't really, and I think it was one thing I didn't really learn a ton about at Kelly yeah. um, in advance. So I have sort of a follow-up question to that. You know, with this whole um, COVID-19 recession, um, you know, just people like me who are trying to recruit in their junior year, one of the things that really comes up when you're talking to other people for advice is how um, having something tech-related can really be a competitive advantage. Um, Do you feel like that's true. Is there sort of an advantage to having a tech major or co-major, um, you know, as your undergraduate degree? Absolutely. I think it can only help. Um, if nothing else, it will kind of give you a foundation from which to work and to be able to engage in conversations, whether it be with your team or your client. Um, I think it's, I think it's super valuable. It's, a thousand percent the way everything's moving I know that's not news to you um especially with COVID so mm-hmm. um yeah I know Kelly and Kelly does a phenomenal job of absolutely you know K305 K yeah so and some of the more advanced courses in that track um I think and I I regrettably didn't take the more advanced beyond like K304 I think Um, I didn't take those more advanced like analytics, data modeling, machine learning kind of courses, but actually just had, we just had our interns come and my buddy was, um, my buddy had taken that course at his time at IU. He's going into a senior year now, but he was just raving about it and said it was incredibly useful. And he, um, kind of, I think definitely from his perspective has like a leg up in terms of being able to talk about mm-hmm. Salesforce um, and Tableau yeah. and data visualizations and um, different coding languages. And it's something that's definitely a huge plus. So mm-hmm. long winded answer, but yeah. Um, no, that's, that's great. Uh, no, I definitely agree. I think there's also just so many options and courses out there nowadays that you can take. Um, don't think it hurts. Mm-hmm. I know you you just mentioned something about how you had new interns come in and um, use the word mm-hmm. buddy. What exactly is a buddy? Is that something that Deloitte does? So this year, unfortunately, due to COVID, the intern program was cut super short. <clears throat> um, and so they just had a two-week virtual experience. Wow. So what they did was they kind of paired the interns up with a mentor. Mm-hmm. I 
I just kind of called him my buddy. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, more of an informal no, term, I but <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, I just kind of, we would touch base several times throughout the week and I introduced him to some, you know, connections and just mm-hmm. kind of gave him advice and helped guide him through the two weeks. But um, yeah, um, Tyler was my buddy. So um, I think he had a really good experience. Um, what's that? I said shout out to Tyler. <laughs> yes. Shout, shout out Tyler, the best buddy. Um, it was really fun. Yeah. I felt bad. It was like so difficult. It was, it was tough. You know, you can't take them out to dinner. You can't really meet them in person or show them around the office, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite parts is like coming home, even though we'd be gone Monday through Thursday, come home mm-hmm. on Friday. And I would almost always go to the office downtown just to see mm-hmm. everyone. Um, so definitely miss that. But yeah. So I guess that sort of just leads into like the next part that I really wanted to talk about. What's something that you really love about the work culture at Deloitte and what are some sort of advantages that you get from working at, you know, a really large uh, company like Deloitte? Yeah. So I think the most exciting part is the endless opportunity. I don't know how many employees Deloitte Consulting specifically has in the U.S. I think it's upwards of 250,000 people. Yeah, just um, <laughs> this incredible amount of potential. Yeah. Like you could, you could put time on almost anybody's calendar and chances are they'll say yes, you know, put 15, 30 minutes. So you can do your research and reach out and get connected to people who are doing cool stuff. Um, kind of bringing it more personally I am really passionate about the kind of first and second year cohort of people for a second, third, fourth, really. We have a really strong community of the analysts and consultants who normally when we were kind of all together, we would, you know, go to the office every single Friday, always have a huge room reserved for us all to just sit at the table together and work and, you know, maybe someone's looking for a project someone's rolling off of a project you can kind of find opportunities that way but also just get to know each other and have so much fun you know we all found ourselves in this incredibly fortunate position where we were able to kind of travel on the weekend so maybe you're meeting up with some friends on the weekends because they're in a similar situation you know where you can kind of say let's go to New York for the weekend (laughs) oh my god (laughs) <laughs> last year I was like in Woodburn taking a French class oh I don't know where, like how I got here yeah, yeah. it's like seriously 180 um but it is and that they are I can't speak highly enough about them they're so down to earth and grounded but at the same time incredibly smart and just personable and I have made some of um, my closest friends in Chicago just do work, um, which is something really cool. And um, it's good to have that community that's not competitive or kind of jealous at all. You know, we're all just try to be supportive and um, stay connected and kind of lift each other up. So um, I really, really love the that kind of younger community that we have and mm-hmm. I know a ton of leaders in the firm too are really passionate about it and like willing to help people that are at that level too. So it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, that just makes so much sense. I think that there's, there's actually quite a few stereotypes 
on, um, you know, consulting just being a competitive industry. So it's very interesting to hear mm-hmm. that. And I'm so glad that that's there. You know, that's really important for a lot of people. Um, it's important to feel sort of connected to the organization you're working for and, you know, just driven by those connections and those relationships that you have. That's that's just great. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about, you know, your study abroad experience, just because I think it's so fun. Um, you've studied abroad in France and Thailand, right? Yeah, so yeah, tell me yeah. a bit about that. Um, how have those experiences sort of shaped your personal and professional growth just as an individual? For sure. So, so I guess prior to freshman year, I was working in um, Michigan where my family kind of goes to the summers. I was doing ice cream and fudge shop, kind of wow. like, you know, scooping <laughs> ice cream and like super ideal summer job but I came into freshman year and in the back of my head I was like okay I can't do the ice cream gig again this summer (laughs) because I've done it and I loved it but I need to kind of continue to push the envelope a little bit for my professional and like personal growth just in general I mean that's something I think is paramount importance when you're In college, like you just yeah. have to try new things. You have to go to new places, kind of expand your mindset. So, so true. I was looking online, really drawn to Thailand and found a program through University of Reno, actually, in Nevada. Um, and I applied and kind of made a little presentation pitch to my parents. <laughs> and I applied for, I applied for some scholarships um, through the Honors College and ended up getting a ton of it paid for. Um, so definitely if you're thinking about studying abroad, exhaust all options. There are so many scholarship options. Um, yeah. So anyway, I went to Thailand. I studied in Chiang Mai for that summer. Um, Chiang Mai is a city kind of in the north part, northern part of the country. I think it's the second largest city in Thailand. I took a couple of courses. I met a lot of people. I didn't know anyone going into it again so it's kind of another experience where I'm just kind of jumping in uh, feet first and kind of embracing and trusting that the folks that would be there would be in a similar mindset of like you know we're studying in Thailand for the summer let's let's um, kind of embrace it and not be clicky or anything like that so everybody was same mindset and so I learned a ton about the Buddhist culture and Thai culture and Thai customs and traditions and um ate a ton of thai food and it was like, <laughs> <I love that. laughs> it was so cool it was so cool we went to malaysia one weekend mm-hmm. and so i was in kuala lumpur and i had one of the best meals of my life there i mean you just you can't beat it really i think studying yeah. abroad is such an amazing opportunity um so that was after my freshman year and then junior year uh, second semester I went abroad and studied in Nice France so that was one of the that was actually I think the first year Kelly had their program in Nice that's so cool and Nice yeah so Nice is on it's like south of France mm-hmm. on the Mediterranean Sea right next to Italy it is just a dream um, and so I lived with a host family there and I I um, studied French as well in college and in high school so um, just continued that and um, yes yeah, so I was there from 
I think I actually flew to France New Year's Eve 2018 coming into 2019. <laughs> um, so I was on a plane for New Year to ring in the New Year to get over there. So <laughs> that's it was, awesome. It was awesome. I'm a little jealous. I was supposed to go to Thailand this summer for my KC internship. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. I'll go eventually. What, what internship? Yes. What internship were you going to do? It was at this social enterprise called FSO, Flying Squirrel Outfitters. Shout out to Brian. Yeah. <laughs> um, such a great organization. They're just so incredible. They employ a lot of local women and just do, they make these really great hammocks and just great products. Um, I was so excited. It sort of translated yeah. to a internship. But it's fine. I'll go to Thailand and visit Brian eventually. Maybe I'll take you with me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, but, my gosh. That would be so cool. And just at a professional level, too, there's so many sort of transferable skills that you can highlight to your employer, you know, that Mia sort of covered from study abroads and just these experiences. So would definitely re recommend taking any and every opportunity to immerse yourself in environments that are different from yours. Because, I mean, if you're working as a consultant, I'm sure you do that a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, honestly, that's my theme and that's the thought track of just um, kind of going deep to learn and, wow. and kind of be in an environment that can serve as a catalyst to you mm -hmm. and the way that you think and the way that you... Um, interact with others and just learn from other people for sure yeah so I also want to touch upon recruiting a little bit um, something that's really mm -hmm. unique to consulting is a field that doesn't necessarily happen in other um, sort of recruiting areas is the case and it's something that people prepare for a lot um, what are some tips that you have for people who are working on preparing for their case right now? And what's some strategies that you use when you were prepping for yours? Um, practice a case with the firms that you are looking at, you know, reach out to some of the first, second year people. If there are any IU alumni, I'm sure they would love to help you. Um, I will say that was the most helpful thing for me, not only from a case preparation standpoint but also from a nerve standpoint mm -hmm. um, just kind of getting advice from someone who's already over the hill mm -hmm. is really helpful um, I wasn't in the consulting workshop and I didn't I would not say I was a refined case interview <laughs> um, I was really intimidated yeah. and nervous and would felt like I was fumbling over all my words. Um, I think the most important part is, and this may be oversimplifying it, but just to ask the right questions and be transparent about your thought process. Mm -hmm. um, I know that there are so many wonderful and helpful strategies in those kind of like case workbooks yeah. that you can learn how to be super messy and. Um, and kind of ask all the right questions, which will only help you 100%. But as someone who was not super familiar with those, um, I would say my strategy was more to kind of lean on the advice of practitioners who are already there um, and, 
practice with people. Um, I just did better than doing so on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, it is a conversation. And so you want to make sure that you are paying close attention to kind of everything that's said and just kind of guiding the conversation, I think, in a logical way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that so. makes a lot of sense to me. And, you know, yeah. you were nervous. You didn't feel like you had the best case possible, even though I'm sure that isn't 100% true. But, I mean, you did great, <laughs> you know, and you're at a company you love. So anyone out there who's listening, who's really nervous or stressed out about <laughs> it, you're going to end up for the right at, at the right place, you know, just like me it is. So. Yes, yes. Trust, um, yes. Overthink and reach out to me if you need. Yeah, don't. Yeah, definitely, definitely don't overthink. Yeah, she's great. And <laughs> find her on LinkedIn and just I'll maybe link her social media if she feels comfortable with that on our. Yeah. You can find her email or information there. Um, yeah. so I sort of want to switch tracks a little and talk about mental health. You know, this is something that. Mm-hmm you feel very passionately about that we sort of wanted to talk about in the podcast. You know, it is something that I think that I don't prioritize enough. You know, people just have a lot of things going on and a lot of different things to do. You know, you're just multitasking with so many stuff on your plate. Why is mental health important? Why is it something that we should prioritize? So, yeah, I think just to start and kind of put things in context, I think it's about one in four um, adults in the U.S. are experiencing a diagnosable mental disorder um, at some point in their lives. And certainly all of us, those listening, have come into contact with or have been directly affected by mental illness. Um, So it's it's incredibly prevalent. and I'll say one thing in high school that I kind of battled with and struggled with was just my relationship with social media. I found that it kind of, and well, it certainly is a time suck for a lot of people. And they pour not only a lot of time, but a lot of energy and investment into kind of how they look and how they yeah. are portrayed on social media. Um, And that's at a very basic level. And especially in the high school environment, I think Mm -hmm. I was just very concerned and um, worried that social media was acting as a catalyst, but not in a necessarily good way for self-image, self-respect, and just mental health. I think that, for me, was the first light bulb that went off my head of like, what is actually the end goal of this and how how do we engage meaningfully with either social media and each other and just mm-hmm. how do we use social media in a way that can bring people together in a productive and meaningful conversation um so i think that was my first kind of light bulb moment of this is important this yeah. could have serious repercussions yeah. um and then yeah, just I think beyond that, why do we prioritize it? You know, so many of us are affected by it directly. And at the end of it all, I think your mental health absolutely um, kind of determines your perception of 
it sounds dramatic, but your perception of reality, your perception of the expectations that you set for yourself, and kind of your understanding of how you may be or maybe not meeting your expectations for yourself. And so, um, for sure, I think it's a huge determinant in your relationship with yourself, which, um, in my opinion, kind of the most important relationship that you have. Um, so, I think there's so many, so many different ways to look at it. But um, overall, your men your mental health, if you're not mentally well, you're probably not feeling physically well either. Um, and so it just can kind of trickle down into every aspect of your life. So I think it's definitely something that once you learn to prioritize it and give yourself time there, um, you'll start to see results and kind of the fruits of that in other areas of your life as well. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh my God. It makes so much sense. And I completely agree. And I'm going to sort of add my two cents to that just because I can't resist. (laughs) But, um, you know, I feel like mental health, it's one of those things where people care so much about sort of their physical well-being. you know, but just because, yeah, your mental health doesn't mean it's just as real or just as important you know because it really is it's so real it's so important and it affects so many of us and I know that you know depending on what kind of situation you're in some of us just feel so much pressure to succeed you know we feel so much pressure to um, just keep going and to perform and to deliver and it's really important to care about yourself and take care of yourself while you're doing all of those things because I don't know you know sometimes you really have to think about what your end goal is you know we do all of these incredible things you know we want to we want to earn money we want to develop ourselves as people we want to really we want to explore the world but a big part of why we do those things is so that we're happy you know so that we're content with ourselves and a lot of the times happiness and being content Um, really comes from the moment that you're living in. So if the moment that you're living in is just so full of just mental disturbance or unrest, um, I don't know if that happiness is something that we'll eventually reach. I I don't think it's this end goal that we keep telling ourselves that it is, you know? And it's really important to keep that in mind and to be conscious of that because I don't think the society we live in um, does a good job of helping us realize that a lot of the times or facilitating a system where we know that that's true. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And there are so many studies too that Mm -hmm show that you know mental health is intrinsically linked to your physical well-being as well and when you kind of put yourself in a state of duress and don't give yourself mm-hmm. space to kind of cope or um, relax or decompress or um, kind of express yourself mm-hmm. you can be facing chronic illness um, pretty quickly um, just because your tank is empty. Um, So yeah, I I agree with you. And it's it's so important to keep track of because like you said, what's it all, you know, what's it all for at the end of the day, if you're, if you're not mentally in a good relationship with yourself, or um, kind of trusting your own mental state. So it can be scary, but it's, it's really important. 
It definitely is. It, it is something that's just so incredibly important. And um, I want to talk a little bit about how mental health is perceived, um, you know, in industries maybe like consulting or investment banking. You know, these are industries that probably come with just a lot of um, working hours that are required. And they're industries that people use the term work-life balance with, you know, a lot. Um, so just in terms of your experience in the consulting industry, do you feel like mental health is something that has a lot of stigma around it? Yeah, I mean, I will say that I've been really pleasantly surprised and impressed with all the resources and materials and conversations and kind of relevance that mental health awareness has within the firm. But I still think that there's a stigma and it doesn't matter what company you work for. Sometimes it's just difficult to talk about. Yeah. And so that's like, that is a barrier that no matter how many resources that a company puts out and of course that helps push the needle, but on a on a very individual level it can be scary to talk about you know what I mean like yeah. that is kind of um a, a level of trust that you have to develop and work towards with your managers and with your team yeah. um and teams are different you know even within the same company so it, it just depends and yeah. I think that's where the tricky part is is how do I I know that my company cares at a high level, but how do I, yeah, and I, I think that stigma from society mm -hmm. as a whole still kind of permeates your thought process when you're kind of thinking about talking about it to your team or your, mm -hmm. your upper, upper level management. Um, but I think the reward is, the reward is huge every time that you know, our team comes together and does a well-being check or shares mental wellness resources. It's extremely appreciated, awesome. right? But you still, you still get a little bit nervous every time you bring it up. At least I do, because it's just, you're not sure what people's comfort level is with it. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no problem. I, I think that um, my experience just with like internships and things like that has been that it's really difficult um, sort of bringing up, um, I guess like your mental health because I, I tend to see it as a weakness even though I know it's not, but I think it's a little scary yeah. to like bring it up to coworkers who, I think the ideal relationship you want to have with your coworkers is you're showing them sort of the best versions of yourself. You know, you're showing them that you're a capable worker, that you can work well with them, that they can trust you and they can rely on you. So it can be a little mm -hmm. scary to like open up like that. Sometimes. Yeah, for sure. I think so too. Yeah. And I think it, for me, whenever I, you know, think about, should I tell them like, I have an appointment with my therapist later. Yeah. It's like, not that I, not that I think they would be like, Oh my God, she talks to a therapist. She's mm -hmm. insane. But it's just a thought of, I wonder if this will just make them question my stability a little bit, <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. I think everyone would be curious, but um, I think that bringing it up more often only helps and helps normalize it. Right. Cause I've learned since, 
kind of telling my team about and you know not that I would like kick off a meeting and <laughs> there are different opportunities to bring that <laughs> up and, and talk about it yeah <laughs> but um kind of when it does come up in conversation you'd be surprised how many other people go regularly or have been to a therapist or a counselor or a coach you know and everybody has stuff to work through so I really think it's just a matter of getting over that initial fear of judgment and reaction um, and kind of being willing to be vulnerable which can be scary not only as just anybody but also as a junior practitioner um, you know yeah I'm the youngest on my team and so for me to initiate that conversation Mm -hmm. can be can be intimidating but I think it's worth it yeah easier said than done but yeah Yeah, I agree. I think you'd be surprised by the reactions of the people around you. I think it's also interesting because it's something to be said about um, the kind of person that initiates that conversation about mental health and group dynamics, right? Um, If you are, say, the team leader or if you're sort of in a position of power when you're initiating that conversation, that entire just area just becomes a safe zone for all of your members, you know, and that's so Mm -hmm, crazy. It's crazy. I mean, you're so successful and you're on the path to success and I'm sure you're going to be in some type of position of power before we all know it. Um, So it's so great to know that there's people like you who are going to be in those positions, setting that sort of comfort zone for all of their team members that, you know, well, my boss goes to therapy. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with me talking about my therapist. You know what I mean? But yeah. Yeah. I also think it's obviously a totally a generational kind of dissonance, not dissonance, but I guess a gap in Mm -hmm. just our, I think our age of people are so much more um, apt to bring that up and to kind of be open and willing to talk about it. Um, Whereas my manager who's older and, you know, kind of more of a traditional mm-hmm. type is I think he really appreciates when we have kind of devoted time to wellness and checking in. Yeah. He, I can tell he really, really appreciates it, but he's not the first one to, to initiate that. So I think it's also kind of interesting to think about like us as quote younger people mm-hmm. kind of have an opportunity to step up and start that dialogue and it's totally fine and if anything that's the way it should be because we're more comfortable in general with the topic um if you bring it up in a in a an environment where you know your team cares about you um as a person so um just it just makes sense so um but yeah so great that your like manager does that and that your team's so understanding you know and the fact that like they're so receptive to the idea of you bringing up mental health when it's not something that they not, might be used to discussing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think even, you know, we have, so we have huddles on a weekly basis where we don't talk about work yeah. and we really establish them once we were all working remote so that we could do a mental wellness check because all of the news, um, Initially, when the virus started um, in March, it was just incredibly uncertain and unsettling. 
Mm. and just anxiety inducing and so we set up these huddles to do a mental wellness check and kind of the way that they've evolved is that we'll share resources from now and then but sometimes the huddle is just purely to connect with one another and I think that is an awesome anecdote or I meant um not anecdote antidote I guess is the word for just kind of feeling a little bit better um mentally like before you approach your day it's just you connected with one of your teammates and learned a bit a little bit more about them and Mm -hmm. it it just gives more meaning to your work um and so I think creating a space to not only check in on each other and make sure everyone's okay and like you know oh Peter seems off today I wonder if there's Mm -hmm. something I can help him out with or something but also just to like connect and form those relationships will boost motivation and just energy all around so um I mean that's yeah we have those and then we that's that's definitely just so great that they do that um so just to like sort of go off of this I know you're really involved in a lot of the programming that Deloitte does um you know to spread awareness on mental health issues could you sort of talk about um, initiatives that Deloitte has that you think have been really helpful and how you're involved in them? Yeah, so at a national level, I'm not too involved um, just because that's kind of overseen by um, our National Office of Wellbeing um, kind of committee. And so what they, what's that? Yeah, I know. I think it's essential. I think it's just absolutely necessary um, in today's day and age. Like, you need to have um, a team dedicated to that for sure. So, um, yeah, just to provide resources and programming. So, we have this actually really great website um, called Empowered Wellbeing, and they have so many resource guides um, organized by, like, I'm feeling low energy levels. I'm I'm hoping to learn more. I'd like to try meditation, you know, kind of all these different categories of articles, videos, tips, tricks, podcasts yeah. that you can listen to. It's all provided by um, Deloitte. So I think that's really cool. They do a mental health training, uh, like a first aid training, which I just did this past year as well. So I'm certified mental health um, first aid. I guess I got my certification in. I don't know what it's called, but basically you learn about, (laughs) basically you learn about, um, you know, the signs of mental illness, how you can be of help to someone who's struggling, how you can identify signs, how you can bring it up with your team, um, resources within the firm, outside of the firm, um, and just kind of navigating those conversations in general. So that was a training that Deloitte provided I thought was awesome. And then from my standpoint, I'd like to give a shout out to Julia Keene and Liz Nierbach. Liz actually kicked off a um, mental health team within the Chicago Office of Wellness team. So there was a larger like Chicago Consulting Office Wellness team, right? And they do workout challenges, workouts in the office. They do walker challenges. They do um, guided meditations on a monthly basis but there wasn't really a team devoted to mental health. And so Liz started it. And so Liz, Julia, and I all started together last August 
they were they both went to IU as well. Um, and so Liz kicked it off, Julia joined, and then I joined. Um, and so we're a team of three, and we have had a couple events. Things have kind of been um, paused a bit due to COVID. Um, we were just really hoping to get folks together in person in the office on Fridays more often. But another thing that we provide is a quarterly newsletter um, called The Net Positive. Um, and that's something that I put together for the team and it's just full of mental health resources, articles, as well as like fun videos and things to make you laugh and smile and Aww. positive stories from the news and book recommendations. So stuff like that. Um, but yeah, we're, we're a really new team. And so it's been kind of cool to be like, how do we, how do we just promote mental health in general in the Chicago office? How do we reach people who are above our level and two two levels above our level and like the partners even how do we engage with them and how do we kind of continue this mission and team up with like the national team um it's just been cool to explore um it's been a cool initiative and definitely one that's close to my heart so that's um yeah shout out i think that's so important though i especially the thing about um you know the positive news it it i think that's so great to have you know just to remind people that you know there's good stuff in the world <laughs> yeah yeah definitely so I guess you know what sort of tips do you have for or just suggestions that you have for people who are maybe struggling to take care of themselves or people who are maybe struggling to reach out to their friends or family and like let them know that they're struggling with the mental health? Yeah. Um, I would say that if you can find one person even to talk to that you really trust and um, you feel safe talking to them, mm -hmm. even having one conversation can lift an incredible amount of weight off of your shoulders just to know that you know maybe you've been feeling a certain feeling being extra persistent lately or you are in general anxious about the future to the point where you're having kind of tight chest pit in your stomach that sort of thing i've definitely been there um maybe you are experiencing thought patterns that you haven't before and you're thinking that you're alone in that. I think the key theme with mental health and why it's so tough is that you kind of convince yourself that you're alone in it and that others may not understand and or may judge you for kind of what you're experiencing. Um, and so mm -hmm. I think the, the first step is just really, if you can find someone to talk to, it will be, it will, pay the reward for sure it will help you just know that you're not alone and hopefully that person will you know continue to check if you're someone that someone reaches out to just continue to check on them text them in the morning um how are you just wanted to check in send songs send articles you know just mm -hmm. just let them know that you're thinking of them um it goes it goes a very long way um and generally just gives hope to those people who are struggling um, and then beyond that, I think there's really cool movement in healthcare with telehealth and options for mental health counseling online via apps. 
Um, there are so many different options. So definitely look into those. There's even um, kind of like chat bots where you can text yeah. and kind of have a therapy session if you're not comfortable going in person. I know that's a really scary, it can be really scary and intimidating to call a therapist's office and make an appointment and go there alone. And then you have no, you just have no idea what any of that looks like and it's hard to embrace. So definitely explore telehealth options, virtual options, talking to people on the phone. Um, I, I just think that the more, you can kind of give yourself a support network because it's totally there. So the more that you can kind of connect yourself and, and put yourself in a situation where there are people that are checking on you and that, you know, care about you, it, it will help tremendously. Um, and if you're, I, but I would also say one thing to be careful is, you know, don't feel like you have to share intimate details of what you're going through with everyone that you're working with and everyone that you're on a team with or living with or you know sometimes you do just need alone time and quiet time and time to journal or kind of take a deep breath on your own and that's important too um, and it's really just important to kind of comes back to that like relationship with yourself and prioritizing that, getting to know yourself and treating yourself like you would treat your best friend mm -hmm. um, or someone oh. that you deeply care about that might be going through something tough. Like, how would you talk to them? How would you support them and do those things as much as you can for yourself? Um, but it's tough and it's so person by person. Um, so the, I, I just think the more that you can talk to people that you really love and trust chances are they may have been through something similar or um so it's tough to navigate it's just like there's no quick and easy fix to it and it takes time like that's the tricky thing I think with mental health it's so frustrating because you can feel like you're hitting a brick wall over and over again um but the reality is you know, you have your whole life ahead of you and you have such an opportunity to have a beautiful relationship with yourself and to encourage yourself and, and learn from all that you've been through, um, just internally. And so it takes time and it takes patience. Um, and it takes trying different therapists and trying different routes and trying to instill different habits that make you happier um so hang in there and yeah i think just i don't know i think that was a very scattered answer but i mean it's it's um, a scattered quite i don't think there is any answer for that question that you like can't mm -hmm. it's like you've said there's no right answer and i don't know i i just personally think that um sort of what you're doing and just your ability to be vulnerable with, you know, the people around you is just brave, you know? I don't think talking about your emotions is something that should be seen as a weakness. And I think that when we have more people mm -hmm. who are open about them or, you know, just more people that are sort of pushing that conversation, um, 
it really helps, you know, other people who are struggling to talk about it, but want mm -hmm. to. So oh my gosh, yeah, you don't even realize how much, how true that is, Aperva, because when you speak up about it, mm -hmm. you have no idea what someone else on your team is going through, and maybe that inspires them to mm -hmm. actually, maybe I'll give my mom a call and try to explain what I've been going through. Like, just that initial conversation and I think it also like one thing I've learned just in the past couple of months I've been reflecting like I've almost had a year at my job I kind of came into it like I wasn't in you know the consulting workshop I didn't feel super chiseled with cases mm -hmm. um where I feel like I thrived at in college was with PC and with we with these organizations and purposes that I could emotionally connect to um, and so coming into like the corporate professional world, it was kind of tough to feel like I fit mm -hmm. without, because there is that emotional part of me that is passionate about mental health, passionate about understanding relationships and how people are developing and to neglect that and try to stifle that. It's incredibly exhausting and it, I think hurts your ability to perform, yeah. um, because you know, if you have that kind of natural emotional kind of perceptiveness, it will help you navigate, you yeah. know, like client conversations, conversations with your team It will help you. Like you just need to lean into that, I think. And as women too, um, not to, you know, generalize and stereotype, but we have kind of more of that emotional kind of frame of mind and lens to um to just relationships and and it it's not a weakness like it's not a weakness yeah. and you if you if you learn to lean into that and embrace it you will be so much more effective at navigating meetings navigating conversations and getting to the point um of whatever it is that you're discussing, whether it be an emotional mental health topic with your team, or it's how do we get this deliverable to where it needs to be based on, you know, what the client just said. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's unique and it's a strength and it's something that shouldn't be stifled. Um, I know that's super general, but that's no, something I've kind of, yeah. I, I love what you're saying there because I, I think that's, those are definitely things I'm going to take away from this, you know. Um, your weaknesses can be strengths and not just a normal strength, but a strength that really differentiates you from other people, you know. Um, and I think that's so valuable to remember. And, and another thing that you said that I really loved was how, you know, treat yourself the way you treat your best friend, you know, because sometimes we don't we're not the best people to ourselves and we treat ourselves the way we wouldn't even treat our worst enemy um so mm -hmm. that, you know have that relationship with yourself because it's the one that's gonna last the longest you know you're with you till the end of it so yeah yeah i love that that yeah that yeah <laughs> i think you i just yeah I, that's gonna be super helpful for just me at an individual level um i know we're so oh, good Sorry, what do you have to say? I just said good and thank you for having me and letting me ramble. Um, yeah, I, I admittedly, 
<laughs> I didn't have like super scripted answers ready to go, but you know, this is these are things that I think about. Yeah, I think about on a daily basis, and I think at the end of the day, whatever you want to do, it's so hard to navigate and to come out of school, and nobody goes into their job and thinks, "Wow, this is exactly what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life." Like <laughs> everything gets so complicated yeah. and and more, I feel like weighty in a way. To so like college, I go to your classes, do your extracurriculars mm -hmm. um and then in the adult world just like wow this is this is a big deal that I'm yeah. here and doing this and am I sure <laughs> like I don't know and the it's uncertain small. and especially now people are yeah <laughs> yeah crazy so yeah it's just and so more personal context I've decided to like end my lease in Chicago mm -hmm. and put my stuff in storage just mm -hmm. because I couldn't justify continuing to pay rent um, with all the uncertainty that is omnipresent in the world right now on so many different levels. It's just so unsettling. And so that's an added layer of like, what is going on? How, how do I know I'm doing the right thing? Um, but by just, I think that's another thing, great lesson from the past couple months for me is just then lean into that intu mm -hmm. intuitive feeling of what do I do right now? Am I sure I want to, you know, yeah. be living in Lincoln Park or should I take this time to kind of come home and spend time with my parents, my dogs, my siblings? And um, yeah. so it's been nice to have some time to decompress from just everything and I've, I've been really happy with my decision and I don't think I would have you know been and I wasn't comfortable when I made the decision you know it's a really scary thing to decide but um, ultimately it's benefited my mental health a lot too so kind of funny how it all works out um, if you give yourself the space to to just give it some time give it some time yeah, yeah. It, it will all work out, you know, for anyone that's out there <laughs> listening, if any of you are mm -hmm. confused or struggling, um, just like all of us are probably, <laughs> it'll work out, hopefully, mm -hmm. I tell myself. <laughs> no, yeah, it will. Just, yeah, do the right thing and it will follow. Yeah. So just to like wrap it all up, um, I have one last question for you. If you could go back in time and tell young Mia, who, you know, is an aspiring consultant, slightly confused on what she wants to do in life, um, mm -hmm. what advice would you give her? You know, what would be something you'd tell her? I would say um, start a podcast and interview <laughs> all sorts of people. I think what you are doing is so cool. And the best way to just learn about yourself, what you want to do is to talk to people and people love talking about themselves. So the more that you can reach out, reach out to people in all sorts of different careers and just ask them what motivates you, what gets you going, what's your favorite 
part of your job. Yeah. I I just think that the more you can talk to people, the more I think the wider um, your capacity for empathy will be. And I think that is something that is super valuable. Um, not only just from a personal development standpoint, but um, professionally too, you know, you just continue to learn as much as possible. I, per- I, I learned the best from just talking to people. So yeah. I wish I had started a podcast and just interviewed <laughs> everyone from my grade school piano teacher to, you know, the, the staff at Kesey to um, the florist down the street. Like, I just think people are so interesting and mm-hmm. the way people are wired and what they do and why they do it is, is fascinating. So I think what you're doing is super cool. Um, and yeah, my, my advice would just be, don't take yourself too seriously. You don't have to decide what you're going to be doing at 50 when you're 21. So don't worry and just, it's okay. And take some time and just ask all sorts of questions. Totally, totally merited. And um, a lot of people, actually, everybody is still asking questions. I, I even asked a couple years older than me um, levels in the company. Like, when do you, when do you feel like you're, you know, that feeling that we all thought we were going to get when you're an adult and like, Oh, this is what, like, nobody really, I mean, (laughs) it's hard to get it. Like, it's really hard. I think everyone's constantly questioning a little bit what they're doing. So Mm -hmm. I think don't expect that is another good piece of advice. Like, don't expect to start your job and feel certain because you won't and you're going to continue to grow and question things and and be with different types of people. So just college was a whirlwind and it will it'll continue girl like it will you will continue to be um to learn so it's good and embrace it so Mm -hmm. well thank you so much for being here today i just i know you're so busy and honestly like this has been great for me i i've learned so much and i'm going to take away so many tips from this so thank you for being here Oh, well, thank you for having me so much. I can't wait to hear some more episodes, too. I'm definitely going to be a listener. Yeah, and for everybody that's listening, um, I have some really great episodes planned with incredible speakers just like Mia over the next few weeks. So if you want to stay updated on those, follow us at um, on Instagram at when she hustles. And I hope you'll join us next week. Until then, just keep hustling. Ha <laughs> ha